Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. Each week, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Matt Robinson, or another member of the Bethlehem team. We also host a conversation every week where we unpack different facets of Sunday's message. We're so excited about this message, and we hope it's a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Take your Bibles, turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 11. And I didn't, it's 1040, wow. Uh, (laughs) Where's Miss Patty at? Where's Miss Patty? She's my Holy Spirit in here with time. Oh, she's online. Help me, Miss Patty, stay on track here. Oh, my goodness. But uh, anyway, we're going to do a little bit of review from last week because uh, I wasn't able to, to finish the message, go figure. Uh, but the amount of material that we have for today is smaller, uh, so hopefully it balances out uh, and I can keep on track. But this, this study, this book has been uh, just clutch for me in, in my own personal walk with God. There are just times when, look, we all go through it. Maybe you're going through it right now, where it just feels like everything around you is closing in on you. Does that make sense? Everything around you, as long as you're able to keep things at a distance, it's okay. But then we reach those seasons in our life where it just seems like, (laughs) oh, it just starts closing in. And so I believe that this book right now is is a timely reminder of when things start closing in around us, how we can handle that. That, Look, Jesus gave us the victory, but that still doesn't mean you don't feel like a failure this week. Can we be real? He gave you and, 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 and essentially paved your way to heaven, but that doesn't mean that you're not struggling right now here on earth. It doesn't mean that you're exempt from health issues. It doesn't mean that you're exempt from the anxiety and depression when you're left with your own thoughts. These are all real things that we deal with. And so the the more tools that we have in the toolbox, the more mechanisms that we have that are scriptural principles, the better it will be for us. The more we can engage in spiritual warfare. And so I can really relate uh, with where this fella is. Um, and, And we talked about He's the only prophet that is preaching a message from the people to the Lord. All the other prophets, especially in the 12, they're receiving uh, a message from the Lord that they're giving to the people. But this guy is looking at the lay of the land. He's looking at the carnage. He's looking at the, the tragedy and the trauma, and he takes his current situation to the Lord. Uh, and, and the Lord uses this book in a really special way. So it ends in a song. It ends in really this big worship session uh, that Habakkuk is having with the Lord. So it ends well, but you really wouldn't know it by the first two prayers. And so last week we dealt with his first prayer to the Lord. Uh, and then we're going to, uh, there it is, then we're going to uh, talk about the second prayer today. And that's where we'll end. How many enjoyed worship today? We had some changes, uh, but overall, man, I, I was feeling it. How, how about that violin up here, huh? Come on. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> so good. So we had uh, a new, within, I would say, the last few months, new violinist, Ed on the guitar. We might as well go down the line. Come on now. Yeah. Leanne on the drums. 
Amen. Is Chelsea even in here? I don't know. She's probably with the teens, but, uh, you know, honestly, like, thank y'all so much. We, we've introduced some new things, and they just met for, we met in the morning, and then we're like, we need another practice, so they came here late last night, and we just continued to work through things, and I think it showed. Um, so I'm just extremely grateful for all the hard work and effort that went into this morning's worship. Thank you all for, for using your talents and gifts for the Lord. All right, let's jump in. Habakkuk chapter one, verse 11. This is interesting. Remember, uh, I don't have time to dive into the context like I did last week. So if you have questions in your mind about you know, things that are missing from today's message, we're preaching through the book. So go back and catch last week's message. If you're wanting a laugh in the midweek, uh, typically Cody and I uh, record a podcast called The Conversations, and uh, we are all over the place. And uh, there are th- maybe certain things we say you don't think are funny. If you're easily offended, don't listen to the podcast uh, because, yeah, we just kind of like spitfire. We have no agenda other than having a conversation about Sunday's message. So this last week's podcast was literally all over the place. We said a lot of crazy things, um, but it also is a companion for the message. So around Thursday, that's released on our YouTube channel, our Facebook, all Spotify. If you just want to listen, it's not just video. Uh, All of our stuff is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you consume your audio content. So if you want to catch up and hear some background, uh, go do that. But today we're going to start at verse 11, and I read, then they sweep by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty. Their strength is their God. Notice with this verse that's up on the screen, the last God is, uh, has a small g. Uh, I had a different perspective of this growing up, and I tend to uh, have a different worldview when it comes to Genesis 6. I believe it's Deuteronomy chapter 24, Um, but the context, regardless of how you view other gods, and there is another perspective that's not necessarily polytheistic uh, in the way that you think, where where I say, is there a noise? Let's silence our phones. I think I'm hearing something. Uh, But um, it's not polytheistic in the nature of there's multiple gods that are at the same level, But our God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, is the supreme being. And in the unseen realm, there's more words in scripture than just angels. So uh, the the context that we have in our minds uh, that we think how we were taught Sunday school is not what they were thinking. Uh, and I don't, I'm not trying to burst your bubble, uh, but, but they thought more. There, there was more layers to the unseen realm. And so when, when the author, Habakkuk, it's our job to figure out uh, where was he coming from. When he pins this, and this is, remember, in the first prayer, this is God's response. And, and we talked more about that last week, but this is God saying, then they sweep by like the wind and pass through. This is talking about Babylon. The Chaldeans, right? So they sweep through. Habakkuk's saying, Lord, why are you allowing these things? And the Lord gives his response, and he says, they are guilty. Their strength is their God. Just to kind of open this up a little bit, their God is Marduk. Anybody ever seen the movie Brave? What is that noise? Oh, it's the plumber. Okay, all right, we're good. All right, I'm like, is it just me? Is anybody, (laughs) Chris, yes, it is just you. Smart. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, what is that? I'm just trying to keep going and ignore it, but I could hear it. 
All right. That's the plumber. We all know we're safe. We're okay. Let's keep going. If, if we keep going at this rate, it's going to be one o'clock. All right. Their God is Marduk. Remember like Disney, the movie Brave? Anybody ever seen that? Marduk, right? Like this bear and this God that they were fighting essentially. It's amazing to me if you watch Hercules and Brave and a lot of these Disney movies, there's a ton of like Greek mythology. There's a ton of, of you know, what, what was viewed back then laced with, within and without. Um, and so you can kind of get this uh, view that the author here, Habakkuk, he knows something that we don't know, right? And so the underlying thing, as God is responding to him, however you, whatever your worldview looks like, you have to see that the Lord God, Yahweh, is engaging with Habakkuk with language and with history that he understood. Do you understand? I, I think when we look at scripture as a, uh, a science textbook, we miss it. If we think that, uh, and, and I have been, I've made this error for years and years and years, like that the Genesis narrative is a science textbook for how we understand the world. That's not, that's not necessarily the case. It, it was a specific people group that the Lord chose to engage with during that time. So how, how the Lord revealed himself to those people really matters. That's actually the crux of the entire message. So when he says uh, their strength is their God, talking about Babylon, the context is Habakkuk would have understood that their God is Marduk. And Marduk was a storm god. Hence the analogies of the fish that we're about to read. Hence the analogies, how long will they continue to draw their net in? He's using terms that Habakkuk would understand as their god is Marduk, right? He was the patron god of Babylon, the head of the Mesopotamian gods. The Mesopotamians regarded Marduk as the supreme god, uh, an absolute ruler of the universe. Marduk was consistently portrayed as a warrior god who led the Babylonians into battle. When the Babylonians were victorious, they gave credit to their warrior god. So that should give us a broader understanding that when the Lord Yahweh discusses how he allows them to do certain things, that really what's happening is Marduk is a lesser God that the Lord is controlling. When we understand how their minds worked, how, how they perceived the Babylonians, it was all really based on geography. The Babylonians in their land had a God that allowed them to conquest and, and conquer other lands. But uh, in Jerusalem, their God, Yahweh, who, who was essentially over that geographical location, was saying to him, their strength is their God. They're guilty. And, and, and this God, Marduk, is a warrior God. They think what they're doing uh, is, is really uh, expanding their, their borders, but really what they're doing is they're playing into my plan. Really, this God Marduk is, is a pawn. He's a lesser than. I'm not even really giving him, I'm not giving him the title of supreme being because that's my title. That's I'm the God of Israel. I'm Yahweh. I am the supreme being of the universe, but the Babylonians didn't believe that. So, this, this is a way for us to shape our worldview 
for us to perceive the things that are happening in our life. Here's, here's the thing. Where we're going to land at the end, right, it's not the end, but the end of today's message in chapter 2, we're going to perceive that part of the world will think that they have a victory. The Babylonians will think that they're winning, but ultimately they were losing. And mind you, that conquest took several hundred years. It, it didn't happen in Habakkuk's lifetime. You see, our, and I'm going to refrain here because it's the, really the hinge pen at the end of the message, but the, the point of this is we have to have a broader perspective to what is happening in our lives. When everything is closing in, when we have no hope, we, we have to understand that God is working and he is moving about the world in such a way that is far beyond our comprehension. And that's what's happening in the text. God is describing to him their inner workings. He's describing to Habakkuk. He's saying, Habakkuk, I understand that you think that I'm, uh, I should step in and I should decimate them, but really what you gotta know is I'm working in the mess. I know who their God is, and I know who Marduk is. All Marduk does is he cares about conquest. He's the warrior God. He is, water in scripture is a, uh, an analogy of chaos. He sweeps through like the wind and the waves, and he devours. That's the Babylonian empire. God is describing to him, I know your pain, and I know what's happening. Here's a few observations that I didn't really get a chance to tease out last week. Understand that the Lord wanted Habakkuk to find the Lord, Yahweh, in his reality, in his current season of life. The Lord said, and I put it to you this way again, I'm not above your reality, I'm in your reality. I know what's happening and I know it's devastating, but it's a part of my plan. Here's the second thing. This is all review. Disinherited nations perpetuate themselves, but God is in control of what he owns. Verse number six, it says this. Look, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth, earth's open spaces, to seize territories not its own. If we say my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but we don't believe it, it affects our worldview. If we say we, we really know that, that the Lord wins and God owns everything, and, but yet I don't have two pennies to rub together. God, I, I don't get it, God. My finances, I'm stretched. I don't have money, but you own all the money. Do you see how this works? Even in our simplest uh, equations of, of us not having enough, knowing that God owns it, do you ever get frustrated? Do you ever get to a place where you cry out to the Lord and you say, I mean, how many of us believe that God owns everything? That was, you were very hesitant after I put it in that light. <laughs> uh, not now. Sure don't. Must be another way. Because look, do you ever do this or am I the only one? Do you ever reverse engineer what you believe and go, if it's true that God owns everything, why am I struggling? Am I the only one that does that? And, and here's what the prosperity gospel does, which I'm not for. If you do X, Y, and Z, the Lord will give all these things to you. That's the temptation. 
The temptation is we apply man-human tendencies to God's job. And we're like, God, you're just the government. That's what you are. You need to just give to everybody so that we all have equally. That's not how God works. But that's what we do because we're humans. We think to ourselves like, God isn't just. If he was just, then everyone would be okay. As if, as if God was the real reason that things are screwed up to begin with. We have to change our perspective. Your feelings are real though, I get it. It's hard. We think to ourselves, everybody that, like, if, here's what everybody says, right? This is a funny one. Uh, not like funny haha, but you get my point. If I had that, I would give more. <laughs> Aren't you just such a virtue signaler? If I had their money, <laughs> first of all, probably not. <laughs> probably not. We're so good at that comparison. If I had their life, <laughs> if, if they had mine, they wouldn't be nearly as happy as I am. <laughs> I'm for real. Like, why? Look, you have to ask yourself these questions. Why do you feel that way? Why are we so gosh darn entitled? Because of this. The Lord was trying to give Habakkuk the right perspective. He was trying to say, listen, disinherited nations perpetuate themselves, but I'm in control of what I own. In other words, they're going to continue to do what bad people do because they're bad. They're disinherited. They don't have the right perspective. They're going to continue to kill people. It's not my fault that they're disinherited. I made a perfect universe, right? There's an enemy. There's a force of evil. There is tragedy and trauma that is playing into your life. And that's something that if we bring it down to our small microcosm of our cosmos, and we see that we're sinners and we do bad things, that perpetuates in our lives. And you should not blame God for it. Because he's doing what God does, and you're doing what sinners do. Our perspective of wrong can be right with the Lord using the wrong not to make a right, but to bring about his purposes. A lot of people make this mistake. They say, if God was good, he wouldn't allow those bad things. God can still be good using bad things. One moment. Did it go back up? All right. We had a discussion about that this week. Anyway. <laughs> Listen, first the plumber, then the lights, then whatever. The Lord doesn't want you to get, I'm sorry, the Lord. The Lord wants it, Satan doesn't. <laughs> Here's my thought on this. People ask us the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Anybody ever get that question? Okay, all right. This is the context that, that we can make sense of it all. The Lord says these are disinherited nations doing what disinherited nations do. I'm God, I'm not doing it. In other words, I'm not making robots. I have to let things play out. In fact, the gospel narrative is all the bad things that are happening in the world, I endured the pain for you. 
but that doesn't mean you don't have to endure your pain. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it doesn't mean that it's rainbows and butterflies. Not till he comes back. Not till he eradicates sin and evil. You follow me? But now, when we receive Jesus, we should have a worldview, a concept, that God is not evil for using wrong to work his purpose of good. Whoa. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Lord works all things together for his good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Don't project the evil in the world onto God. Know that God is working through the evil for his good. It's the opposite. Okay, that was last week's message, <laughs> the, the finale. This week's text, it's the second exchange between Habakkuk and Yahweh. Look at verse number 12, you ready? Verse number 12, let's read right through 112 through chapter two, verse five, and I read. Are you not from eternity, Lord my God? Habakkuk's second prayer. My holy one, you will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment? My rock, you destined them to punish us? Do you hear the tension? They're horrible people and you're using them. We already established in week one that Judah was the problem. Judah's kings were killing their own sons. They had forsaken God, yes or no? Why are you blaming me for allowing conquest killers to kill you when you brought that judgment upon yourself? It's called the law of sowing and reaping. That's what the Lord established, really. Let's keep reading. Verse 13, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. Habakkuk is still playing the blame game with God. Do you feel it? You're too, you're too good to look on evil. And, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent? Why one uh, who is wicked swallows, I underline this in my Bible, swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? Oh, we're coming back to that. Verse 14, you have made mankind like a fish of the sea, the language, Marduk, their God, like marine creatures that have no ruler. Do you feel the stab? Marine creatures that have no ruler, You've, you're not our God anymore. That's what he's saying. If you're supreme, you'll trump Marduk, but instead, you've laid us at Marduk's feet. That's what he's saying. The Chaldeans pull them all up with a hook, catch them in their dragnet, gather them in their fishing net, and that is why they are glad and rejoice. That is why they sacrifice to their dragnet and burn incense to their fishing net. For by these things their portion is rich and their food plentiful. Here's the question. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slaughter nations without mercy? He showed his hand. He tells the Lord that they're prosperous and we are not. They're prosperous because they put prosperity in front of what is right. And that's really what he cares about. We have to really understand what our motive is when we go to our prayer closet. Because if we were honest, we would admit that maybe we're not, maybe our motives aren't as pure as we thought they were. Look at chapter two, I'm sorry, look at verse number two. 
Habakkuk waits for God's response. It says this, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. We could probably spend a whole message on that, but we won't. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. In other words, I'm waiting, God. I'm waiting. What's your response going to be? And here's the Lord's second answer. The Lord answered me. Write down this vision. Clearly inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. And this is the, the glorious thing about this prophet. I'm bringing the people's cry to the Lord and then he receives a vision from the Lord. The opposite. What's happening here is incredible. Write this down. Write this prophecy down. Here it is, verse three. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, what does he say? Wait for it. Since it will certainly come and not be late. Look, his ego is inflated. He is without integrity, but the righteous one will live by This is the Old Testament. What kind of New Testament language is that found in a prophecy in the Old Covenant? Isn't that strange? Verse number five. Moreover, wine betrays. An arrogant man is never at rest. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol, and like death, he is never satisfied. He gathers all the nations to himself. He collects all the peoples for himself. And then we'll deal with the rest next week. This is the Lord's perspective here about this ego being inflated, wine betraying, an arrogant pride person that never rests, enlarging themselves like Sheol, when the Lord, in the Old Testament, they didn't talk about heaven and hell uh, the way they do in the New Testament. It's really just the afterlife. It's this place of Sheol, this place of death. It was more like a holding tank for everyone who died. It was, it's not the same way that they didn't have the same perspective that they did in, in the New Testament. In other words, he's saying they gobble up. This thing of death is really, it's, it's their coworker. They just literally consume for the sake of consuming. So the Lord's saying, you're telling me that I need to step in. You're telling me that I need to do something about what's happening in your land, but I see them as doing what they should be doing to people like you. I see them as doing something that is really par for the course considering what we talked about last week. Here's a few observations for today. You gotta, I think you gotta be honest for this though. You have to find yourself in this place that, look, we all kick and scream sometimes. We all have these moments in our lives where we're unhappy with what the Lord is doing. Yes? I'm thirsty, sorry. <laughs> Maybe these will be just a few tools for you. The tension here is so real, and I, and I love the perspective in, in the second exchange. A few things that I highlighted. Are you not, in Habakkuk's second prayer, are you not from eternity, Lord my God? <laughs> it's amazing to me what we throw in the Lord's face. 
It's amazing to me our perspective on God when we're going through a challenging, hard time. Look, if we're just being real. You know, the, the one week you're here, hands in the air, worshiping the Lord. God, you're from everlasting, right? And then something happens during the week. I thought you were everlasting. The same statement, just two different, you understand what I'm saying? Two different contexts. If you're the supreme God, Yahweh, why is Marduk eating us like fish? This nation, haven't you noticed, God, that they're getting richer and we're getting poorer? Haven't you noticed that they don't take you seriously? Here's the first thing that I wrote down here. Number one, the Lord is not on your timetable. <laughs> the, the, the very thing that I see from the get in this second exchange, chapter one, verse 12, and two, verse three, is the discussion is about eternity and about the end of the appointed time. This may seem so almost like <sighs> irrelevant, but it's so relevant. The Lord is not on your timetable. If anything, if this whole series, you don't get anything out of it, but you get this, it's worth it. Why? Because every problem that you're facing right now has a beginning and it has an end. That one truth is enough for all of us to be faithful. Huh? I'm gonna say it again. And I'm gonna keep saying it because I needed this this week and I was like, in the beginning, I was like, that's not very revolutionary. And sometimes as pastors, like, we, we like try to like alliterate or rhyme or, you know, I gotta get this just right. What's the right word? Sometimes it's not about the right word. It's about the word. The Lord said, in, in the question of Habakkuk saying, aren't you from eternity? We know what the answer is. And in the Lord's answer, he says, look, get your tablet down. Okay, and for sure it was an Apple tablet. It was not an Android tablet. We established this right now. We don't do that around here. If you have an Android, lay it at the altar, okay? You poor things. First things first. <laughs> he says, get your tablet out and write it down. Habakkuk, are you ready for this? I got my pencil here. I'm ready, God. Write this thing down. Here's what he says. If I can find it here. Write down the visions, clearly inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. Could it be that the Lord's doing something in your life that's not for you? Absolutely. Could it be that this whole thing is for someone else and it's just how you react to it and how you're able to go through it? Wait a minute, that makes no sense. I thought God loved me. He does. I, I thought the Lord saved me. He did. A vessel unto honor. In other words, he has a purpose. Life is not rose petals. It's not, it's pain. And the Lord is fully aware of that. Look, study other religions, right? Study them. It's the enlightened way, the enlightened path, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. Life gets better. Study Christianity. Pick up your cross and follow me. <laughs> Not super popular, is it? it? 
<laughs> John 16, 33, in the world ye will have tribulation. I saw a thing come through uh, from Voices of Martyrs about China's new facial recognition system shutting down thousands of churches, locking up hundreds of thousands of believers over there and persecuting them. Like, we are so in a bubble. Do you sense that? We're so in a bubble. We're so insulated from what's happening. The Lord has always used persecution for his good and his glory. When you're in that moment, and I, I will contextualize, and I'll continue to bring it home for you because of stories like you all this week coming to know Jesus. Listen to me. There is someone watching how you're gonna go through that painful time. There is someone that needs a message of hope in your pain. He says it's not for the, it is for the appointed time and that's not right now. You feel like a little fish, but don't you know that I'm here? Don't you know that I have to, we have to go through this process because eventually the lion of the tribe of Judah, the appointed time, that's gonna be another 700 years. But let me explain something to you. Jesus came. He made the difference. Yes, I understand that Ruth had a baby and it was miraculous and that was a great point in history. But there's also a crying prophet and there's another 700 years before Jesus gets here. Look, some of us, our lives are a picture of pain. Not everybody has this easy road. But no matter what your path is, the Lord is going to use it if you are his child, if you are his son, if you are his daughter. When you can't breathe, when you can't breathe deep, when everything is going out of you and you're depleted, remember that the Lord is from eternity. That is probably, like you can't miss it. It's probably the most important truth in the whole exchange. The Lord, I find my notes here, I think I ruined it. <laughs> I'm getting my pen out and drawing on things. The Lord is not on your timetable. He's not. How many just get frustrated sometimes that things just don't go your way? And I got both my hands up, okay? I'm being honest. It happens. Rex, shh. No, I'm kidding. Poor buddy. Pray for that kid. He doesn't have a fever, but he's, he's been sick. Look, we, we want it to go a certain way. But when you commit to follow Jesus, you're not committing to your way. You're committing to his way. Number two, this, this one's really good for the culture. You ready for this? Verse number 13 of chapter one says this. Your eyes are too pure. Remember, this is Habakkuk telling the Lord this, right? Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you can't tolerate wrongdoing. <laughs> so, so why, I can just hear some Americans right here. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? And before I completely show my cards on this, I believe that there were righteous people in Jerusalem. And I believe that Habakkuk was talking to the remnant, talking about the remnant. Lord, there are people in this town that still believe you're the God of the universe. Why would you let those people who don't believe in you devour people who believe in you? 
Number two is this point. You ready for this? I don't know if you're ready for it, but I'm gonna say it. The Lord knows what he is really dealing with, not our doctored up version of the truth. The Lord knows what he's actually dealing with, not our doctored up version of the truth. You always in your mind when you go through these things can justify your side. Why are you letting those people devour people that are more righteous? Didn't we establish the fact that these knuckleheads were sacrificing their, their sons? They were turning in their altars into altars to other gods. They walked away. Yes, there are still people, there is still a righteous remnant there in Jerusalem, but it doesn't change the fact that they walked away from God. Here's what I'm saying. If we're honest, we'll understand and be transparent enough with God to know that what is happening in our lives, it's not because he's bad, it's because we're bad. The first thing out of people's mouths that are in dire straits, that are in bad situations is, you know, I'll take the blame for this and that, but here's these other things. It's never full responsibility. It's comparison. Why would you do this to me, God? I know their stuff. They don't take their trash out either. That's not the point. Their God is not Yahweh. It's like a Christian kicking and screaming in the workplace because you didn't get the promotion. I'm better than them. You think I'm playing? We act like children. People are watching you. People know you go to church. I checked in on Facebook. <laughs> I get, and I want you to. I'm, I'm not, I want you to check in on Facebook. I'm not like ha-haing every one of you that check in here. I want people to know that you go to church. But the more important thing than people knowing you go to church is knowing that you live like Jesus. And when you say, that didn't go my way. I'm better than them. The Lord says, I have the full picture. You still got stuff in your closet, bro. <laughs> Even though you know Jesus, it doesn't mean that you're perfect. We miss this point of sowing and reaping in our lives, don't we? And we project that back on God and we say, God, this wasn't just. I didn't deserve it. You don't deserve anything good that comes your way. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We didn't get where we got because of our goodness. In fact, it's the opposite. We're saved by grace. It means we got something that we didn't, what? deserve. If you're a Christ follower and you're ever in the position where you're saying you should have gotten something that they, that they got, you're wrong. Every one of us should always be in the position where if someone else receives something, we can be happy for them. If it's ever the other way around, you are wrong. Look at yourself in the mirror. But God, they're bad people and there's still good ones here. Habakkuk. Like, and I don't think he talked that way. Maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where these voices come from. I need a therapist. Someone please send me a number after service. Do you not hear what he was saying? He was like, God, there's better people here. Look, here's my point. If you know Jesus, and this message is primarily to Christians, 
If you know Jesus, then you should have a context for getting things that you don't deserve. You should have a context for losing. You should have a context for suffering and not getting your way. The Lord uses the dumb to confound the what? The Lord will use your pain way more than he will use your successes. Why do we miss this? Why does it surprise us when things go wrong? The gospel is suffering. The gospel is I'm perfect and I'm going to choose to die for who? For them. We've got to get better at failing. We've got to get better at going through bad things. This is really not popular. Next week I'm preaching on the prosperity gospel, okay? (laughs) Everybody wins! Everyone, if you give in our offering plate, the Lord will bless you tenfold and it will return unto you and to your children and to your children's children. What a much much more popular message today, right? But that's not scripture. Scripture is when you you endure and you go through hard things, the Lord's gonna use that for his purpose. But see, here's the problem. We have all of our purposes. We have all of our plans. And we want everyone to see how much better we are now that we're going to church. How about you just let the Lord have your life? How about you just let him work through your pain and through your stuff and let him do whatever he's going to do with that? Stop telling God what he should do with Marduk and just be obedient with your own life. Number three, and ladies, if you're here, you could come on up. The Lord calls us to be faithful to him in the midst of a world full of lesser than alternatives. This is it. This is the crux of it all. Look at verse number five in chapter two. It says this. Moreover, wine betrays, an arrogant man is never at rest. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol and like death. He's never satisfied. He gathers all the nations to himself and he collects all the people for himself. The Lord reminds Habakkuk, like, I'm not on the same level as that God. We're on two different wavelengths. I'm preparing you as a people to bring Jesus into the world. I don't care what they have right now. We're so concerned with what the lesser gods are are using and developing. God, have you seen what technology does? It's all right, look right here. They're gonna start playing a really good song just so you know what's happening. And we're gonna roll right into imitation with that. song. The song is incredible, I love it. I'm probably gonna be on the altar as soon as she hits the chorus, just so you know. But listen to me, church. God is not concerned what the lesser gods do. He knows that what he is doing is right. He knows that what he is doing, watch this, is gonna save the world. You know how many Christians there are in the world? Versus how many Babylonians there were back then? Thanks for tuning in for this message on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at BethlehemChurch.cc. And also in every message that we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description. And we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.